Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Fighting Words. Donovan here. I'm joined Pastor Dirk. Does anyone ever call you Pastor? Sometimes. What do you do with that? You just receive it? And it's like... Yeah. No one at Redeemer ever calls me Pastor Dirk. <laughs> it's your mom? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't remember anyone specifically. Not family. Is your family weird about you around you since you're a pastor, or are they totally about it? No, I... Well, if it... It varies? Weird, I don't feel weird yeah. around them. Uh... Yeah, I mean, just don't they don't bring up the subjects I guess that would be controversial. And they don't really stoke fires either. They don't really instigate. So no, uh, well, give me the I mean, I have some sense of some of your family, but how would you rate the general if you're comfortable on this podcast sharing like sure. the spiritual temperature of your family like apathetic, nominal, engaged, hostile? Yeah, so I'd say it's a mixed um I have a a couple family members who are Christians. And then, you know, I would say some would be maybe more nominal, would say that they're Christians, um, but I wouldn't be able to tell. And then I would say that the remainder in general would be, I think, kind of that classic Iowa um, kind of deist general deist yeah you know like there is a god there's a heaven but it's not really applicable unless you're in need or unless there's like you're at a funeral mm. um yeah why'd you call that iowa well because it's not like the the bible belt it's like the upper region yeah where the bible belt you, you still would have people who go to church and go through functions more. Mm. Up here, there's less a cultural necessity. Now, I, you know, I would say that's probably changing in Texas. Like if you're in like the metro areas, it's definitely different than maybe it was, you know, 40 plus years ago. But I'd say up here, there is kind of an element of that. Like it's more rural and ag- agricultural, um, even though, well, some of my family um, has farmed so it is kind of that, like, you farm the land, you thank your God, and I don't just kind of do your own thing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it isn't. Yeah, it's certainly not quite the Bible Belt, for sure. It's, a different, it's also interesting, there's different denominations that kind of dominate. Like, down south, it's, from my experience, it seems like, well, pretty Baptist. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got Southern Baptists, which is huge down there. Yep. And up here, you have more, like, Mainline, mainline Lutheran and you know Methodist Methodist Catholics yeah. things like that yeah so you say your families wouldn't bring up you know, maybe they wouldn't bring up sensitive topics or controversial yeah. topics yeah like like no what? that's what we're here to do yeah um you know politics maybe a little bit but even I mean I also haven't seen most of my extended family in over a year because they just haven't because of the bed yeah, because the vid. <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah. It doesn't really get much into like really, really deep stuff. Um, I mean, because it's uh, kind of inevitable when you get into conversations of faith, it goes right into hot button issues in the culture. So, like, okay, well, what do you? What do you think about LGBT stuff? Mm. What do you think about abortion? What do you think about... Um, well, mainly it's those two. Yeah. Those are, those are the two that I think any general American can have an opinion on. Which is funny because I actually believe way more offensive stuff than that. Right. You know? Right. You think my views on on human sexuality are offensive? Like there's a sovereign God that that rules even evil spirits and created hell and 
Mm-hmm. It's a little more serious, you know. It reminds me of a a clip I saw on YouTube. This guy, this is a, like a Christian preacher apologist, he's at a college, and this this guy asked him the question, like, you know, what's the deal with God killing you know all these people in the Old Testament? And he goes, in the Old Testament. <laughs> He says, "God, every person who has ever died, God has killed." Right, and the guy's like, "Uh, like Old Testament." Right. So, but yeah, I get it. That's uh, those are hot button stuff, for sure. Is your yeah, yeah? Is your is your family pretty? And again, it's a it's a lot of people. But would you are they generally kind of liberal, kind of right wing ish, kind of like? Mm, it's a mix. It's, it's a mixed bag. Yeah. Um, so my dad's side, well, I would say, mm, I have to speak in generalities because I don't have a whole lot to really go off of. I would say generally, um, you know, my mom's side would probably lean left. Um, um, and then on my dad's side, um, some some Democrat, and then I would say you know another good chunk that would lean right. Um, but if you think of like the the political quadrant, you know I would say it still would lean more towards authoritarian than libertarian. Maybe that's just like the classic Republican Democrat, yeah, like model or the. Have you points. taken that test? No, I mean I've kind of placed myself. Um, I would, yeah, I probably should take one of those tests. I think I know where you don't want to out yourself on the podcast, dude. I mean, it, I have one question that will reveal <laughs> where you are. Is it the question we threw around earlier? I don't remember uh, <laughs> which controversial question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're asking me at least. You're not asking someone else what I think. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, are you going to get the vaccine? Oh, that question. Um. I think so. There it is. He's a liberal. <laughs> <laughs> Half the church hates me now. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah. Um, at some point, tell so tell me us how you think through that. So, yeah. There's just so much. I was talking to my eye doctor today, of all people, just like of all the layers from this past year of how you have different conversations and all the different issues. And man, so I think the, the issue up front that, that I, I think along with most people wrestle with is, um, well, what information do you trust? Yeah. It's like, from what source, what sources? Um, what about from contagion live? What's that? Well, this this is publishing uh, medical studies. I, I got under this from uh, Brett Weinstein's last podcast, which mm. I can't suggest enough. <laughs> here's the here's the title: Spike protein of SARS-CoV-2 virus alone can cause damage to lungs, similar to the disease. Mm. Oh, crap! But is this? I don't know. I mean, and, and you got to balance that with other stuff. But here's the point: I was talking with someone about this yesterday. Is Dude, good luck sorting through all that and, uh, you know, get it or don't get it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You got to have clarity on what your call is and yeah, feel comfortable in that. I think um, if and when I get it, I'd probably try to find Pfizer. Yeah. Over Moderna. I mean, I, I had COVID Pick back. Pick your poison. Yeah, I had COVID back in November. And so part of me is like, I feel like I'm kind of good. But then everyone's like, well, you could get it in a few months. And like, well, maybe so. Um, but then, you know, better watch out. Apple and Spotify takes us down for misinformation. But just have knowing of others who have had COVID and then they got the Moderna vaccination and they felt worse than when they had COVID. So, yeah. So I'd, if I got it, if and when I get it, it'd probably go Pfizer. Yeah. No Johnson and Johnson. I don't want to grow a tail or something. Uh, <laughs> speaking of growing a tail, have you heard of the the, the human monkey chimera <laughs> in China? Is that where they're doing it? I uh, that's what Alex is. Jones says. No, this is for real. This is oh. legitimate news. 
Um, we'll get to prison. Yeah. So today, talk. the topic today is is abolishing prisons. Um, well, actually, establishing prison. That's <laughs> that's the uh, the topic. Human monkey chimera. So basically, the story is they've they've uh, there's an embryo they've developed. I don't know what you call it. Um, first monkey human embryos reignite debate over hybrid you know creatures so nature.com science this is this is legitimately out there they have they've basically created these embryos and their their goal is to like be able to create little creatures that you can harvest organs from <laughs> it just oh sounds gosh. sounds insane dude like um and so but their embryo like i want to know what it looks like but at this point i don't it probably looks like a little shrimp or something you can't mm-hmm. you know but i say let this sucker grow up i want to <laughs> I, I want to see it. I think I saw. I think I saw a full-grown human monkey chimera the other day at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> this is not new stuff. Uh, <laughs> I think I saw this article or some form of it out on Twitter, but it was retweeted, <clears throat> and I've seen this multiple times. It was retweeted with an image of like a you know like a like a swear jar it was filled with coins, but and. Instead of like swear jar on the label, it was it just said times Alex Jones was right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and I've seen like the timeline of all the different things. Like, oh my gosh, man, what an age. Yep, what an age. Well, so yeah, today we're going to talk about this whole idea of abolishing prison or the police. Now, here's the trigger for this. So, there's a Facebook post that I made uh, a couple weeks ago and. Kind of got a little hot, hundred some comments on there. I mean, that's hot for me. Well, a lot of them were images, right? I don't Was that know. a different thread? Them. Yeah, maybe some of them. But definitely sparked some debate. Now, here's the thing: it really got derailed because here, here was my original post. The real question is, why aren't prisons binary? <laughs> what if you don't identify as a man or a woman? Where should you be sent? Now, to that, that's tongue in cheek sarcasm aimed at critiquing the you know so-called um i guess i don't know people out there that 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 will that say you know gender's a spectrum right mm-hmm. and there's people out there that generally genuinely believe that but what i'm poking at is like people in politics or on the news who say things like that and then say things like you know Men who identify as women should be able to go to women's prisons. And I'm saying, well, that's very binary, actually. You're actually betraying your broader worldview, which is that gender isn't binary. Mm-hmm. We should really have a spectrum of prisons, you know? Like, what if someone doesn't identify as a man? Because you don't have to be a man or a woman, right? That's kind of the mantra. But then we kind of forget about that when we talk about a particular issue, like sports mm-hmm. is another example. Why should sports be binary? You know, and I'm sure there's people out there who are con- consistent and want to say, yeah, they shouldn't be. And um, but so anyway, I was just kind of you know using irony or um, sarcasm to kind of critique that and say, come on, be consistent. But it got derailed. Um, which, by the way, I actually, I actually would love to see this play out. Like someone gets arrested, and they say, I'm neither a man nor a woman. What are you going to do with them? Mm-hmm. You know, you're gonna put them in a in a prison that doesn't accommodate their gender, right? Here's a question I have. Okay, so let's say that there is a difference between sex and gender. Okay. Which, to some extent, depends on what you mean. So, here's the here's the way the narrative goes, right? Sex is what you're born with, your biological markers, mm-hmm. and gender is basically your your role in society. Right, and not everyone who um, you know has male chromosomes feels like, according to them, what men are supposed to feel like. So they feel like something else, maybe a woman or maybe something else. So there's this division between gender and 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 sex. Mm-hmm. I think that's rooted in some degree of truth. The being the truth being that. Yeah, we don't. If we over over define what a man is supposed to be, then you know, 
Like men should lift weights. And like, well, I don't lift weights. I guess I'm a lady. It's like, this is silly. Mm-hmm. But let's just grant for the sake of argument that sex and gender are separate. <clears throat> when did we determine that things like sports and bathrooms were going to be according to gender instead of sex? That's, that to me is an easy solution. That we skipped that question, and I haven't heard anybody ask it. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty important question, then. Great, you're a man, but this bathroom is for females, right? But the, the terms get confused back and forth, and all. So anyway, I, I just think it's all confusion, and it's what uh, it's part of the judgment, mm-hmm. that chaos. Yeah. So, yeah, make sports according to sex instead of gender. Problem solved. Can we move on now? No, that would be too simple. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. That's kind of the sum of the stuff I'm poking at there with that post. Yep. But it got derailed um, because someone quickly commented, abolish prisons. And so that, you know, got this whole conversation going about whether or not you can abolish prison and whether or not you should. And, you know, what do you do with violent criminals? And... um things like that so this idea in general of abolishing prison um you know it's it's become popular this past year it's you know it's kind of grown out of the uh you know black lives matter you know maybe crt depends um you know deconstruct the system kind of movement Mm -hmm. it's become popular And that's, you know, you could characterize that as it being on the left, right? It's the left. In general. In general. You're saying let's abolish prisons. Yeah, the abolition abolition usually would be on the left. But there's another guy on here on the uh, thread who agrees that we should abolish prisons, but he comes from a libertarian perspective. So I listen to this libertarian podcast also, and they're always like, you know, they hate the state. So there's there's this common theme between libertarians and then like kind of far-left progressives, which they're both saying the state is oppressive. One is saying it's a, more saying it's along uh, like race and gender classes, you know, and things like that. And the other one I think is saying it's more just about power and abuse just strictly, right? But they have that argument. They have that desire in common is to abolish prisons. And so I guess my general question is, what is the, what is the Christian take on that? Can we abolish prisons? Should we abolish prisons? What's attractive about that? What's dangerous about it? Um, you know, abolishing police is another, another, uh, you know, kind of popular paired value. Like we got to abolish the police. Yep. So, or should we trust the police? Should we back the police? Back the blue. Back the blue. Do you back the blue? Well, yeah, I think that's well, that's so much of the 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 tricky and unfortunate part of like where we individually and I think the church as a whole finds itself in this day and age, not even just 2020, but I think in years leading up to it. It just it automatically and so quickly becomes political. You can really only put yourself into one of two camps, and where nuance is really hard to um, get in. And I think it's well, I think hard for others to accept because, I mean, you if you ask a question like that. I can give you one of two quick answers, but I would want to put some further explanation behind that. Yeah, you're talking about the you know talking about polarization and the simplistic grids that we we default yep. to. Yep. Brett Weinstein again, who I love, man. I, this is my favorite podcast. Um, so. Him and his wife do it, and they're... Oh, it's his wife? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Heather Hines, she goes by, you know, they're liberals. So she kept her original last name. Mm. You know, 10 years ago, they're radical liberals, man. They're like, 
everything pro-choice pro-gay rights like all the you know but now because the left has swung so far left they're like they're racist you know <laughs> and um but i really like them they're really sharp and their podcast touches on all kinds of stuff politics and social issues because of their experience with this they came under fire and i won't go through all that right now but they also just they're just thinkers in a they're biologists by training scientists so they talk about different stuff like chimeras and lab leaks know, lab leaks oh, oh did you hear that episode with oh wait never mind I'm gonna do commercials uh, about their podcast right now but anyway so he, he had a quote the other day and it was this regarding politics if anyone thinks that things would be better if the other side was just gone has revealed that they don't understand how this all works and can be readily dismissed. Now let's unpack that a little bit. Um, it's, well, let me maybe just say something here. Um, <clears throat> kind of my perspective on how I approach a lot of these issues is that there's these tensions between biblical values because of the unraveling of the creation, right? So, um, Let's take, a, let's take prisons, for example, or, or crime, right? So how do we deal with crime? It's going to be here, mm-hmm. right? Yep. That's one thing. Um, why is it going to be here? It's because of the human heart. It's the human disposition. Right. To rebel. It's, it's our nature. Yeah. It's also our nurture. Yes. Like it just it just complicates and snowballs, right? Right. So one side I think tends to overestimate nature and the other side oh, it tends to overestimate na- nurture. So you hear that in the sense of like hey, we need to abolish prisons. Well, look at all the crime. Well, if we redirect those resources to community care. You know, that's how we solve the crime issue. The, the root issue for, from that perspective is the reason that there's so much crime is because of injustice and because of you know, lack of resources. And it's like it's an underestimation of the criminality of the human heart, right? Mm-hmm. But it is, a, it is true that there's a correlation between poverty and crime. Yep. There's a correlation between you know, feeling like you're at a disadvantage – feeling desperate and being willing to push the envelope. So I kind of call this the, the masculine and feminine approach to crime. Like, and I think they're both biblical. Um, and it's really the masculine or feminine approach to any challenge, any issue, child rearing or leading a church. Um, and it is this. The masculine approach to crime is we crack people in the head and put them in a box. Mm-hmm. And the feminine approach is when we care for people, we nurture them, and we resource them so that they're not given over to crime. Right? To me, these are tensions that live together. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you have to see that and appreciate the perspective that that other person is coming from. So, like, um, and you can, yeah, you can kind of see that in, in ter- when you ask people what the solution is. And a lot of times it will be kind of one or the other. You know, like you can take the same approach with the border crisis. You know, how do we how do we solve immigration problem? Well, you have a feminine approach. What would that be? Well, um, we accelerate access to immigration the applications. We resource them. We give them good facilities. You know, we uh, there's more incentive. Yeah, we we t- we we stop. You know, messing up their country so they have to leave. Like, but there's, but that's absent of a yeah. And sometimes you got to lock people up for breaking the law. You know, like that side, that's the masculine approach. Is like, well, we got to have a strong border. We got to build a wall. We got to put people in cages who break laws. And it's like, yep, more restrictions, more restrictions, right? And it becomes either or. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the perfect balance is, but what I want is people that can say, I see the te- the the difficulty here, right? It's not as simple as we just have to nurture people better because there is an, a nature element. Sometimes I wonder if people who think that way have actually ever been around evil people. Like <laughs> A lot of them haven't actually been to prison. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. <laughs> and so as, a Christ, as Christians, we have to acknowledge the nature 
aspect of this, which is human nature that is desperately wicked. They're not, they're not, we aren't given over to sin and crime because we didn't have enough resources. We like crime. We like evil, right? We less what Jesus says, we love the darkness. Mm-hmm. And we underestimate that, you know? And I think uh, there's some hard people around there. So we can have debates about how many prisons there should be and how they should be funded. and um, But I, 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 my theology tells me there's going to be prisons here until Jesus comes back. Well, so let's, again, this classic passage, but I want to read it just so we're not just sitting here spouting our opinions. This is the masculine approach to crime. This is Romans 13. Um Let's see if I know my Bible. I can find my way around here. Okay. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Now, there's a little bit of a nuance here in the sense that we live in a system that you can there's avenues for resistance you can reform laws you can run for office you can vote you know what i mean so um so that's a little different uh for rulers are not a terror to good conduct but to bad now that's a generality right we know that there's corruption but i think the the christian posture because this is what god said is that rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. You know, in general, throughout history, that's what the rulers do. Now, it can go really bad, and you get super corrupt, and suddenly you could call good evil and evil good, and, mm-hmm. you know. Um, would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Well, then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. He is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So, that's the masculine approach, right? Like, there is sin in the world, and not everybody can be reasoned with, and not everybody is going to respond to nurture. Some people need clonked in the head and put in a cage. Or even there he says sword, mm-hmm. which means you're going to be killed. Yep. Right? So, abolishing prisons, I think it's just unbiblical. And I want my people to think that way and not just pick up slogans from the culture because it sounds nice. It sure would be nice if we didn't have prisons. That'd be really, I mean, in a sense, you know, like just generally, would you rather have people in prison or not? You know, assuming. Mm-hmm. And it's easier to just to pick up a phrase and not, you know, play a role in it, regardless of what your view on it is. Like it's 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 trendy to just pick up the phrase and then not do anything about it. But to actually understand, if you're saying this, this may actually be what's required of you. Like if, if we're just going to abolish prisons, in this in this case, just abolish prisons, um, and you know, then there can be a whole slew of community reforms and and, and all of that, but. You know, will you, um, you know, as a as a parent in this example, like, um, will you live on the same block that you know has homes with uh, recovering um, people who are sex addicts and child molesters? And, and I think that's a real question to ask. And if you want to push the line, because that that is like a real situation. Even right now. Yeah. Well, and so, you know, I listen to tons of different perspectives. Listen to some commies. I've, I've dropped that. Don't worry. They're not, they're not winning me. <laughs> but I understand their perspective. Like, um, in, in some of the people I listen to, in their defense, they're saying we do want to abolish prisons. But at the current state, it's impossible. Right? So, that it's a long vision. And the way you get there is you create a society that won't need prisons because you will 
eliminate or greatly reduce crime because you will provide and nurture to the extent that that will be eliminated, right? And again, that's a utopian and idealistic in terms of if it's vision of humanity and what's the problem. The, the problem isn't ultimately sin and human nature and demonic powers. It's ultimately capitalism, the systems, the structures. That's why we have to abolish those things. So that, that's what's behind. When you hear people talking about we got to tear the system down, we've got to um, you know, start over basically – it's it's that's what's in there is this this root of like blaming the the issues on the systems. Now systems can go wrong. So let me push on the other side. Like I've already showed my cards. I don't think we can ab- abolish prisons, but should we back the blue? Right? Am I just a patriot and a fan of the state? Defend America. Mm. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, we're making everybody mad today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I no, I think there is I you know, I think in general my my posture is, is try to harmonize with people but not be a people pleaser. Um, if that makes sense. Like I want to understand um as best as possible what the different sides are saying. Understand which things you know to sift through those things which of them are actually good they're virtuous they're actually you know maybe even biblical in some cases um and then from that begin to actually formulate a a wise you know biblically sound dirk's dodging the question yeah yeah well i have to preface (laughs) so much i have to preface so much but here's the thing my i don't usually get the the typical like Monday morning pastors inbox thing. I don't either. I had one email, and it was encouraging. Oh, good. So let's start changing that now. Um, I mean, are you really asking what I think? Back in the blue. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, in general, uh, say yes, but then I would also continue to say like I, I think there needs to be you know, constant assessment and analyzing like, okay, are these practices um, helpful? Um, Should, you know, these certain practices be outlawed? Should these be reformed? What kind of policies need to be changed? What what needs to be thrown out? Um, So I'm, I'm usually depending, you know, and like, I think in this situation, I don't think the whole system, well, I believe in systemic sin because people are, are sinful and people are in systems and make systems. I think when it comes to the police, I think there needs to be constant assessments and, you know, I think further training. I, I'm definitely in that camp, like, where I think there needs to be more funding for training. And Did you listen to that podcast with Sam Harris and Horion Gracie? No, I think you told me about it. Yeah. That's three podcasts now. Well, you didn't say Joe Rogan, but I think it was in reference to that one mm. earlier. Yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, they make the argument there, which is what you're saying. They need more training, and you should listen to that. He he goes. What's really brilliant is it actually saves money because he's saying if right. you invest money in training and train these officers how to actually manage violence properly, they're not trained to go out there in the streets and handle violence. They get like four hours of training in violence, and by violence, I mean you know combating skills or you know really he's talking about grappling, mm-hmm. you know like minimizing violence really. But the whole point is you would think, oh, so you want more funding? He's like, well, the irony is if you spend money on this, and they've done it. There's proven trials. They've implemented this stuff. You, mm-hmm. you train officers in, in this stuff, and then what happens? They have less injuries. You have less lawsuits, and you actually save the department money. So there's just fresh perspectives out there that are not as simple as the, you know, are we going to cut funding or are we, you know, are we going to defund the police or are we not? Like, well, mm-hmm. let's, let's engage with some people. Yeah, and I mean that's not to say like I'm not saying, man, every cop is – is fantastic i've had interactions with good cops and not so good cops i haven't had like well it's because you're white it hasn't gone bad that that too i mean in you know in this when did this happen i think almost two years ago um one of my nephews was in a situation uh where he got pulled over and there's an airsoft gun on the floor of his passenger seat and i think he he was kind of like um, freaked out because the officer saw it and was like, uh, I think his car windows couldn't roll down and officers like getting um, more 
elevated. And I think mm-hmm. it is what he was directing him to do. And you know, and I think my nephew was just confused, and he went to go grab grab it. What? Yeah. And I mean, I mean, officer drew his gun and everything. But but you know, when I heard the story, I thought like, okay, you know, if my nephew, what would be different if my nephew had you know darker skin? I don't know. And I can speculate that. I don't know what would happen. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, it's tough situations. Like, and, and that, that what I say in terms of, like, you know, talking about Back in the Blue and wanting reform, it's like, there are tragic things that happen. I think we know that. Hmm. Like, I don't want anybody to die in a any kind of interaction, or, a, you know, in this case, it's, uh, with police. I don't think the police want anyone to die in that, you know, but mostly, yeah, mostly. Um, I can't speak for every single one of them, but so it is a weighty situation. But so when it comes to then prisons, um, we have to understand there's weightiness in that too. Um, and I would, you know, I don't have family who's ever done prison time. I have family members who've done jail. Um, I somehow evaded jail. Um, and I think we can talk um, amongst ourselves about policy reform. Um, and and I think I think there would be more unity than we all would think. You know, if we go back into like the 70s and 80s, like with the war on crime, the war on drugs, and, you know, 94 crime bill, and how that's really shaped the way things are right now, like the mass incarceration rates and all that. That's not really the debate, you know. I think we can all say like, yeah, I think there should be some reforms. And you know, thinking back, it was the 2016 election. That was one of Rand Paul's main things was like prison reform. Yeah, he's a libertarian. Yeah, and he was like kind of a standalone on the stage like, what? And that's what, you know, you know, piqued my interest. Like, whoa, he's talking about this? Like, isn't this usually a left thing? But here he is. He was talking about it. And I'm like, oh, this is this is nice to hear. Mm. So, but then I, it doesn't, that's more so for the incarceration rates that goes into what is deserving of prison time. But I think, but we're talking about prison in general so for let's just say you know there's policy that happens that eliminates nonviolent offenders so like man you had an ounce of weed on you like if you took all those people out of the system and you then are left with the violent offenders murderers rapists molesters blasphemers (laughs) um fornicators what about the fornicators, Dirk? You want them running around? <laughs> they already are. <laughs> I'm saying that's what we need to change. Let out the druggies. Lock up the fornicators. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, so... Do we say... Those violent offenders... Don't need to be there. Now, I don't think... Unless you're you know, like Joker level, like anarchist. I don't think anyone's saying they shouldn't have any kind of consequences for what they did. Am I right? Uh, some people are saying, well, look, some of this stuff comes up in this, um, in this thread, which if I can get it to work. While I scroll here, let me, uh, Um, why is my computer stuck? Um, kind of, you know, so the question, do you back the blue? Like, here's here's what I would say is like, well, kind of like you, like generally, I think the Bible gives us a general posture of respect for authority. That's at church, that's at home, that's with the government. That's, And we also know that there is evil that can be corrupting, and if we have uh, the ability to impact change, then we, then we do. So just, we don't want to make the same mistake that, the commies are making and the commies are under underestimating the power of evil 
But sometimes I think if we just are saying back to blue, we're doing likewise. We're underestimating the power of evil in a systems of justice. Like, mm-hmm. So don't make the same mistake. So I would say, no, we can't abolish prisons. Um, but we shouldn't. We should always be reforming. Like we're reformed and always reforming, right? Mm-hmm. As reformers, but I think that applies to everything. It's what we do. It's what we do at church. Yep. We don't say our church is perfect. Don't question it. But we also don't say, well, it's not perfect, therefore it sucks. It's like, it's what it is, man. Like, it's a renewal. It's a renewing process. Yeah, we're constantly like assessing our systems, assessing our you know, ourselves, assessing our leaders, assessing our plans, and saying like, is this good? Is this helpful? Like, assessing our mission statement. That's right. That's right. So, prison reform, sure. Now, exactly what does that look like? I don't have the expertise for that. You know, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You want to, you know, ban the war on drugs? I, I don't know. Sure. I don't. I don't know. Um, kind of. Here's another. I want to avoid simplicity. Like, here's another one. Should, should we defund the police? It's like, here's the way I view it. Like, a city budget has a mix of things that need to be done. Some more masculine, some more feminine. You know what that balance is, and you know across the board that every city is off balance toward the side of that we need to defund the police. That's just simplistic. You just don't know that. You just don't know that. Hmm. And it's 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 not wise. It's not wise. Maybe some police departments need less funding. Maybe some need more. Like it's just it's simplistic. My computer's frozen. <clears throat> um but anyway, I'll see if I can pull it up here, but yeah, there are people that are saying there are other ways to deal with you know, criminals like we got, we can have house arrests, you know, parole, this kind of thing. Like, you know, you know, we'll give them counseling. Like, yeah, we don't have to just put them in a cage. Yep. yep. And you know, for a lot of people, that might be true. But again, I wonder if you really have you been around really violent people. <laughs> Man, like wicked. Mm-hmm. Like people that are that are trafficking children. They're given over. And I'm not saying God can't redeem them. I'm saying, don't think you're going to go reason with them and they just need some resourcing. And they're like, they're under the sway of Satan. Like, they're literally on a daily basis selling nine-year-old girls to be raped 32 times a day. This wickedness. Yeah. And you're just going to give them an ankle bracelet? Some counseling? Like, dude... And this is where I will, as a man, I say we need both um, uh, masculine and feminine approaches to these things. And what I hear in the culture is an over-feminization of the issues. And it may be a reaction to the over-masculinization of the issues historically, because we're never on balance. Right. But you got to be aware of that. Yeah, so maybe for years we had too much testosterone running around and everyone, and we have world wars and everybody's getting, you know, put in cages and put in ovens, like, okay. <laughs> but these things are, are complex. Um, I can't find this, but yeah, there's, there's people that suggest other, other um, solutions. I want to uh, pull up these articles that I sent you because I want to go through. So this is a, I found an article that argues. Well, it's kind of—it's actually a website. It's ChristiansForAbolition.org. It actually just coincidentally happens to touch base on Isaiah sixty-one, which I just preached out of in, in uh, Cedar Rapids, and will be in Cedar Falls this week. But it's Christians for the abolition of prisons, and they got different you know resources and ways to get involved. And basically, they're dedicated to prison prison. Prison abolitionist education and advocacy within the progressive church. So there's something to know. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so let's just go through some of these statements that they make, and we'll just think through them. We believe that Jesus came to free all who are held captive and establish new forms of justice, free of retribution, and within community. <clears throat> As followers of Jesus, we see the abolition of incarceration and the development of community-based restorative justice as a moral imperative and as our particular vocation as the body of Christ. Now, here's the thing. I actually don't have a problem if you're, as a Christian, you say, look, man, I'm not a big fan of the, I understand that prisons are out there and they're going to be until the day we die, but I want to reform and I want to be more involved on the nurture side. Like, great. I don't have a problem with you doing that. Like, I'm not saying you got to go become a prison warden. (laughs) No. But I'm just saying you can't. It's not going to be abolished. You know when it'll be abolished? 
Well, actually, I, so I've been thinking that Jesus will come and abolish prison, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, he won't. He will establish prison. Right. See, right now, it's kind of like in, the, in C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce. Have you read it? No. Well, the whole idea is that there's a time coming in history. Right now, good and evil are, are overlapping, right? But there's a great divorce coming, mm-hmm. right? And there will be in the establishment of true prison. So right now, prison exists here. Why? As a shadow of prison. Right. Jesus actually won't abolish prison. That's what I used to say. But actually, he will establish prison, the true and better prison, to which prison points now. Right. Anyway, there's that. But um, we believe that Jesus came to free all who are held captive. What page are you on? I'm on the... This I just clicked the link Christians for Abolition dot yeah org and I just scrolled down. You know they quote Luke four eighteen, which is a quote of Isaiah sixty one. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, mm-hmm. right? Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor, mm-hmm. right? To bind up the brokenhearted, to pro- proclaim liberty to the pra- captives, the opening of prisons to those who are bound. So. What do you think of that? So Luke 4.18, we're going to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. There it is. Um, you know, you keep scrolling down. Um, you know, they quote, this is it, they quote Isaiah 61. Jesus stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Oh, no, this is Luke 4. But he's quoting Isaiah 61. Unrolling it, he found the place where he has written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. All right, so that's the that's the main text that, um, you know, we can, we can look at some other text they have in here. Um, so what, what do you think of that idea of, there it is, Freedom to the prisoners, to the captives. I think that's. I think it's overapplying. I think it is chiefly applied to. Well, yeah, I think it's chiefly applied to the spiritual sense. So, spiritual bondage to sin, to your condition, and to the things you have done. And the trauma and things that have been done against you, you have been liberated from those things by Jesus. It also, attached to it, does apply in a physical sense, I would say, because how, okay, so you have broken laws, you have hurt people, you do have earthly consequences, like God has put in place those people in authority to rule. Um, it applies to that sense, I would say, how that prison sentence does not define you if you are in Christ. Okay. Right? Like, yes. Yes. Christ does not know me as a murderer. He knows me as a friend. The Father does not know me as um, a sinner. He knows me as the Son, as a son. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you... So you're saying basically Luke 14, Luke 4:18, and these other, you know, nearby verses are speaking about the spiritual realm, like. Yes. Ultimately, it starts with that because I mean, because you even think I mean that this is a whole different discussion too. But um, people get up in arms because Paul doesn't, you know, flat out say like we need to abolish slavery in the Roman Empire, but. Because his main focus is the spiritual heart, the spiritual condition. That is of first importance because the policy itself won't change. It's just going to move sin in different places. So it's. I think it's still in line here with, with Luke 4. Jesus' main view of this is that he is going to liberate people from spiritual bondage. That was, I think that's Paul's aim as well. Um, but then flowing from that, you have renewal, you know, in the city and the government and things like that, which, you know, can lead to policy change. But I don't think that leads to complete outright abolition of prison itself. 
Yeah, and I think part of the uh, the evidence that that's what Jesus meant was that that's literally what he did. He didn't go, you know, lead like prison jumps. <laughs> right. <laughs> he literally, yeah, he literally just, didn't. Just an axe. I mean, one of his best friends was in prison, you know, John the Baptist. Right, or right. his cousin. Um, yeah, in axe, right, yeah. Well, and then, I mean, John was in prison wrongfully, right? Because he was, like, living as God called him to live. He didn't, right. like, hurt people. Right. He was just following the Lord. Yes. And Jesus still didn't release him. So again, you know, to take this verse and apply it to, you know, prisons uh, is one, you know, perhaps just an over, um, you know, physical application of this text. But it may be rooted in, you know, they say they're progressive Christians. Well, I don't know how progressive they are. Like, if they're really progressive, they deny the spiritual realm. Right. You know, right. like this is actually just a social justice, a social gospel. The Sadducees. Yeah, stuff like that. So he couldn't mean what you just said because that's not real. Mm. Right. So again, I don't know what they're found. I didn't read all their belief statements, but they called themselves progressive Christians. So, yeah, I just think that's misapp- misapplication of the text. And then he talks about, then they give some other proof texts in here. So the Exodus one? It was Exodus. And there's a handful of these here. So let's. So, you know, why should Christians be prison abolitionists? Well, they talk about Luke 4.18 that we just addressed. They say, God brought Israel out of bondage in Egypt. And they give some text, which is, we know that. They were in bondage in Egypt, and then God brought them out. I think it goes back to that again. Like, they were wrongfully imprisoned. Like, God brought them there, and Pharaoh imprisoned them. Now, if, that, if you want, I think, the most direct application is like, yeah, people shouldn't wrongfully go to prison. Sure. Crimes they didn't do. Well, let's just keep going, though. So he brought them out of Egypt, and then what happened? And then they rebelled, and then he killed them. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then what happened? Well, Caleb and Joshua. Okay, well, then keep going. <laughs> Where are we now in Isaiah? What happened then? I mean, What they, happened in early Isaiah? Gosh, I mean, they kept rebelling, and he exiled them out of... He sent them to prison. Yeah, he sent them back to prison. So you got to keep reading the story, but you can't just be like, see, God pulled them out of Egypt like... Yeah, it was time. He sent them to Egypt. He yeah. knew they would be enslaved. In fact, you know, I would say, yes, Pharaoh enslaved them, but under the sovereign hand of God. Why? So that they would cry out to him. Like, you just can't just say, see, that's proof. Like, God sent them to Babylon. And that was part of his whole plan. Like, they were, yeah, and eventually then uh, in service to Rome. Well, Greece, and then Rome. Yeah. Um, Well, what about this? They say, uh, there's no such thing as, this isn't a verse, but just a statement they make. There's no such thing as good people or bad people. Each of us is made in the image of God and subject to the captivity of sin. Oh, they're not that progressive. We can't can't provide safety by identifying and and incapacitating bad people in prisons. Okay. Read this again. As you read it again, I will for the audience as well. There is no such thing as good people or bad people. Each of us is made in the image of God and subject to the captivity of sin. We can't provide safety by identifying and capacitating bad people in prisons. So I, I agree that there's not a, there's not good people and bad people. In that sense, right? Like we're all in a, in of our you know in and of our own nature when we're born sinners, mm-hmm. and then some of us are saved by grace and counted righteous. But yeah, I would agree with that. But this isn't. This isn't I would just say that's not. Well, we're not saying the bad people go to prison and the good people stay out. Right. So just 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 reject the premise. It's like a straw man or a I don't even know what the right. So that's one issue. Well, then that lessons we I think that's the hang up because each of us is made in the image of God. Totally agree. Subject to the captivity of sin. Agree. We can't, as in humans, we can't provide safety by identifying and incapacitating bad people in prisons. What does that even mean? Well, that's what I'm saying. The whole premise is that is they're assuming that we're saying there's good people and bad people, and what we're going to do is identify the bad people, lock them up, and then we'll all be safe. And I, I just don't think that's how I view prison. I view it as no. you can provide some safety by 
identifying people that are just demonstrating a habit of being dangerous and getting them out of the way. And I'm not providing. So again, sometimes it's like, it's hyperbole. Oh, you're trying to provide safety and you're trying to live in a perfect world. Like, okay, so if I walk in your house and some guy's stabbing you and I'm like, oh, try to get him off of you. And someone's like, oh, don't you trust God? Is this your hope? You're trying to provide safety? Like, you know what? Yes, I am trying to provide safety for Dirk. He's being stabbed. And this guy Thanks. wants, yeah, and this guy wants to keep stabbing people. So we're going to provide safety for the other people that live in this neighborhood by not letting him run around with a knife. <laughs> like, that's an extreme example, but it highlights the point. Like, th- this is just, uh, I don't know, there's all kinds of wrong assumptions, straw man, just weird stuff in there. It's kind of like sometimes, you know, you know, when I get into these discussions, sometimes we be like, well, is that your hope then? You know, is to, you know, have, are you afraid? Don't you trust God? Are you, are you trying to live out of fear? And it's like, well, I don't know. Come watch my life and ask if you think I live that way. But it's just, it's just not fair. Oh, like, so do you live in fear because you go to the doctor? Do you live in fear because you buckle up? Do you, because you brush your teeth? Because like you're afraid of things? Like there's other reasons to take measures. And, and frankly, maybe some people are afraid. Some lady calls you up and some guy's trying to break into her house and rape her. Well, you shouldn't be afraid. You know what? That's just not the main issue right now is her trusting God. It's just, let's just not be that way. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, she is afraid because it's a frightening man. So we can, you know, chide her, uh, uh, you know, lack of faith and godliness. Or we can help the vulnerable protect them. Jesus brought an end to punishment and condemnation. Romans 8, 1 through 39, and then they quote part of that. Well, I don't really quote it. They're kind of paraphrasing. Jesus' death for us on the cross exposed and ended our human need for retribution in the name of justice and liberates us to imagine justice that is fully restorative. So that's that when remember you're saying you'd have to do some research on restorative justice. And right, and when you say, are people literally saying we shouldn't have cages? Like, yeah. It's re- we replace it with this idea of restorative justice. Um, free of retribution. In his descent to hell, Jesus brought liberation now and eternally to everyone, even the worst and the most forsaken. So, I mean, understanding from their point of view as progressive Christians, the idea of, like, well, salvation seems pretty universal. If I if I were to take that statement, yeah, I guess as, yeah, as that's for on. everybody. So if that's the case, then I guess that would kind of make sense. But it again, I, I think that's over applying Romans eight. It's over applying Romans eight. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Jesus' death was <laughs> for us on the cross to all who would believe. Well, here's the question: Do you believe Romans? Just keep reading <laughs> till going to chapter thirteen. Yeah, let's go. To chapter it's not nine. even. It is even like what what Jesus said versus what Paul said. They're really quoting Paul. So this idea. It, watch this. Um, imagine justice that is fully restorative, free of rest, retribution. So this idea of retribution, punitive as opposed to restorative. So let's go to a. Um, um, this is go to kids, right? So, should we be punitive or restorative with them? Like, I think even even if you were, well, I think you can be punitive with your children, but but let's just say you go, no, no, I just want to be purely restorative with them. That doesn't necessarily mean we actually line out what the consequences might might be. It just kind of defines the motive. Out of a retributive motive, I might. You know, say you need to be in your room for the whole day. Or out of a restorative motive, I might say the same thing. Like, it doesn't actually... You're just talking about motive, not action. Mm. So, I, I think that's confusing the, the issues. Well, yeah, because restorative could also look like offenders being taken away for a certain amount of time, receiving counseling, receiving, you know, other options. Say if there, you know, there was a prison, like, you're still taking them away out of society for a certain amount of time for this oh, it reminds me of the uh, I think some of the comments you interacted with on there it's like 
well, this place that they go to, like, will they have locked doors? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then the response was like, well, do you lock the doors at your house? Something like that. Yeah. I, yeah. Don't yeah. Like, because I live in fear. Yeah. I've, I'm afraid. I'm afraid some guy's going to come carry my daughter away and take her into sex trafficking. You're right. I, I'm sorry. That is a fear. Yep. Yeah. I should quit the ministry. Um, <laughs> Because I live in fear. Um, well, man, I could keep going. There's, but they're just uh, basically they're just kind of over applying, um, you know, promises to Christians to the whole world and the criminal justice system as a whole. We believe in the forgiveness of sins. Yeah, but Paul says things even like, "Well, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat." It does consequences. Oh, yep. Paul believes in the forgiveness of sins for goodness' sake. Yep. You know, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. So, what if there's a wolf running around the church like? Um, you know, uh, what did he say? What did he say? Sneaking into weak women's households, and well, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Like that, that, that doesn't mean there aren't consequences for things, right? There's the ultimate standing with God, and then there's how we stand in society. You know, if I step out of line as a pastor and you guys kick me out, like I can't just be like, oh, you guys don't believe in the forgiveness of sins. Like it's just, it's just not good thinking. Mm-hmm. So. So there was another article which, you know, this was, uh, and I'm going to share all this stuff on that thread. I'm going to re- reignite that thing, share the podcast on there. Um, should we abolish prisons? And this is more from a <clears throat> more from a perspective I think that we share. Um, and I don't need to go through it all, but I'll share this stuff so you guys can see it. But basically the idea is that, yeah. We can't give in to utopian beliefs that that we're going to get rid of the the need for violence to restrain evil. Now, I'll tell you this. I don't have a personal call to be involved in that. And I think Christians should signif- should seriously consider that. Like, I don't think it's readily apparent that Christians should be in the military and Christians should be cops and Christians should be prison wardens. And, and I'm not saying you can't be either. I just think it's not that simple. I think it's complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't as a I don't want my job to be making those decisions, running around. Now the argument against that is well, we need Christians in those systems so they can, you know, show what it looks like to you know, be godly police officers and that's fine. I guess I'm coming down to personal call. I don't want to be in the military and then my job description the next morning is to send a drone somewhere. <laughs> and I don't even know who they are and mm-hmm. man. So we got work to do here. So no offense oh, yeah. to those who are in the military cops. I got this is my conscience and uh you have yours and I've got mine and I'm also just a pansy, so there's that. <laughs> you know, I wanna go fight people. <clears throat> so there it is, folks. Jesus will establish prison. And in the meantime it lives in our midst as a shadow. It literally is that. Mm-hmm. It's a shadow. You can't, everything can't be, you can't make everything restorative because God isn't 100% restorative. He's not. Hmm. Right? He's created vessels of wrath and vessels of mercy and they're both part of his glory. Yep. You're not even trying to bring heaven, well, I guess you are trying to bring heaven to earth, but the problem is, again, that heaven is not all there is. Right. So, in light of that, though, I guess, yeah, work for reform and and uh, be educated and be nuanced. Grant people the benefit of the doubt, like I said, um, ha- like I've said often. I think part of, you know, over the last year, I've had people ask, you know, how, how can we stop being so divisive in the church? Well, I don't think the answer is to not talk about this stuff. I think it's to not divide over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if you disagree with something I've said on here, fine. No, let's talk about it. And like, let's not make these things our our identity and our righteousness. Yeah. And you know, like, yeah. Remember the way of love. Yeah. If you don't, you're just a clanging symbol. Whether you, it should be the new, na- new name of the podcast. Clanging symbols. <laughs> Instead of the B at the beginning, we'll just oh god, <laughs> just crash in. That's dumb. Well, cool. Dirk, anything else? No, I think this covers it. Yeah. So I hope to come back to a handful of issues 
like this over the next several weeks, months, episodes, and in a common theme I want you to pick up on is this idea of these tensions between these biblical values, right, as it applies to prison, police, prison, you know, other redistribution of wealth, um, you know, free markets, things like that, and uh, I hope we can, uh, I don't know, I feel like I've come to see some things, and I'll, I want us to, I want to do my job to try to help teach, and it's not perfect, I'm not without, you know, blind spots, and I'd love to have these discussions. Um, so love you all thanks for tuning in see you later see you